Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What is going on, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. And on today's episode, I am sitting down with one of the co-founders of Proof Eyewear, Tanner Dame. Tanner, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast today. Without a doubt. So right off the bat, for the listener that may not be familiar with Proof Eyewear, um, how would you best describe Proof to someone who has never heard of you guys? So really, we focus on sustainable eyewear. We, we feel like we've found a niche within the eyewear market, which is very competitive, but we focus on creating the most sustainable sunglass and optical frames in the world. So we've started with a our wood collection and evolved into other materials like cotton-based acetate, recycled aluminum, and repurposed skateboard decks. That's awesome. So how did, how did you get into this? Uh, business? How, what made you decide eyewear? Yeah, no, it's uh, kind of an interesting story and dates back even further than when I was born. But uh, my grandfather started a wood sawmill in the 1960s and in Kanab, Utah. And that's been in the family since I could remember since I was born. And that's uh, been a, just a family heirloom and, and the progress of my my uncles and my dad working in that business. And then Currently, my brothers and family members and cousins um, passing on the, the torch of generation to generation working in the family business. And the, they essentially specialize in wood, doors, moldings, um, windows, and sell to um, stores like Home Depot and other home good building stores type, type uh, retail. And so growing up, we spent a lot of our adolescence um, working in the sawmill in the summers on spring break, whenever our dad could put us to work, he'd, he'd throw us in there and we'd be either pulling lumber, or sweeping sawdust, um, working around the, the equipment and just working with wood. And so that number one kind of instilled in us a pretty hard work ethic. It's, it's not an easy job by any means working in 90 degree weather and sweating and, and pulling lumber and, and stacking logs and bricks and of wood and whatnot. So we uh, grew a pretty, pretty uh, good work ethic and kind of understood what it take, took to um, have a successful business. Just kind of seeing the example of our, our family members, our uncles and my dad at, uh, working day in and day out. And then the other piece it kind of did for us was it kind of gave us an affection for, for wood, specifically a natural product. Um, we understood the different species of wood, what it did, what was doable as far as hardwood, softwoods. And just kind of understood what uh, that that kind of process was like, and but um, I was going to college at the time, finishing up my last year at BYU Idaho in Rexburg Idaho, and wasn't doing anything besides school. And, and my brother came to me at the time; he was working. He works for the family business, Woodgrain Millwork, and uh, said, "Hey, I have this idea. I, I want to create." I came across a pair of old bamboo reading glasses that are really vintage and kind of almost like grandma style reading glasses. But um, I think it'd be cool to do our own concept with kind of trendy sunglasses that we'd be interested in that, that we'd wear. And so I was uh, really interested and said, Hey, let's, let's do this. I have, I'm just going to school right now. I I'd love to focus my time on something, an interesting side project. And that's really what we thought it was just kind of a fun, fun side project. 
And so that was where the concept and idea kind of originated from. And the timing was pretty, pretty perfect for me. The fact that I um, didn't have a job yet. Um, I kind of thought I was going to go work for my dad or for my, the family business. But um, I started to actually pitch um, the business plan concept and elevator pitch competitions at the local uh, at college. So there's a couple different competitions, business business competitions that I entered the uh, the our business plan and elevator pitch into, and I ended up doing really well at both of those and went to like a regional one. And that was where I kind of thought it was more than an idea, or just a fun project. I got a lot of uh, verification from peers and classmates and teachers that hey, this is actually really unique you guys have a great opportunity here. And it was really just a good testing ground to see if the idea and concept was viable. That's such a cool so journey. That long, very long-winded um, roundabout way to kind of let you know how proof was started, I guess. Yeah, definitely family business. It's really, uh, it must be an experience working with uh, your, your two brothers. I'm sure you guys have a blast in it. Sometimes you definitely can get pretty frustrated with each other. It is. It definitely has its pros and cons. That's a lot of uh, the talking points we always get asked is, how is it working with your brothers? And for us, we, we kind of know the but, what buttons to push and what buttons to back off of. And, and I think having that knowledge of like what our strengths and re- weaknesses are of each individual is, is definitely a plus. And so we kind of play off of that. I think we each have our own expertise and own focus within um, the business to make sure it's successful. So um, I do the day-to-day management aspect, and Taylor and Brooks, <clears throat> my business partners, do a lot, of, do a really good job on the overlying vision, the goal setting, and kind of um, insights on on kind of execution. And I kind of lay out the ground groundwork and and make sure that it's coming to fruition. So it's a good dynamic, and it's definitely stressful at times. But at the same time, um, we have a lot of trust with each other, and there's a lot of things that we can rely on each other to kind of make sure that's getting done. Having trust like that is so, so important. So when you when your brother came to you with this idea with the first sunglass pair, how did you take it from that first root idea to then building it to a business where now you have seven full-time employees, a few part-time, and it's clearly taking off? What was What did you guys do that really catapulted you into building the business you have now? Yeah, no, I think uh, the biggest piece for us was we we kind of just made sure it's organic. We uh, definitely could have gone the route of of trying to find investment and, and capital to have a big push right off the bat. But for us, we said, hey, let's just let's figure this out on our own. Let's uh, there's no hurry. Let's 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 organically grow this business. So it was a, a slow process. I guess it's pretty been pretty fast in the the sense that how fast we've grown, but. Um, it was, uh, we, we pulled together our funding from essentially a, a, uh, a, a, what I guess inheritance from my, my grandfather. So we each, um, put in about $10,000. It was less than that. We actually each put in $5,000 each. So it was a total of $15,000 is what we started the company with. And that was, uh, from a stock that we, we put in the stock market when my grandfather passed, passed away and we ended up pulling that out so we could start our business. And so, we uh, just kind of figured it out on our own. We got as much insight and advice that we could for people that we knew within the industry and just had business background, maybe similar to our kind of approach um, within outdoor lifestyle or like fashion oriented accessories. 
and uh, we built our first website. We uh, went to a first trade show, and it was just file, trial by fire. Honestly, we didn't have a lot of direction or roadmap, but we just figured, hey, let's just jump into it, and we'll adapt and change as we go, and make those necessary shifts as the business we see fit. So that was kind of the approach we took, and it's definitely we've 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 stumbled along the way. We've had um, we've made mistakes, but at the same time we've learned from those mistakes and we've been able to adapt and, and figure out what works for us and, and be able to capitalize on that. Definitely. So you started in 2010. Um, and when you first introduced, obviously you started with a smaller line of product, but I want to ask, obviously with your woodworking background, how did you go from developing and, and testing and really prototyping, um, those first few iterations to what proof eyewear is offering now? Yeah, so we uh, so we started definitely specifically in wood, and that was we started with a small lineup. We developed a few, I think, three styles at the time we felt were um, trendy that would would fit our customer and uh, something that more than anything we were interested in. And that was the customer at the time was what do we like? What do we think school? What would we buy? And that's kind of how we gauged the development of our product. And we came out with a couple styles and, and started from there. Um, a lot of it was just getting early feedback from customers and, and asking them what they liked, what they didn't like, what we could improve. And that's kind of evolved the co collection. And we learned pretty quickly what would work within the industry, what, what I were, um, people were kind of trending towards. And it's, it's come over time that we probably six months into the business, we decided, Hey, things are going well, but what's the future look like? Wood's doing well. It's trendy. But what do we want to be? Do we want to be a wood sunglass company for the rest of our lives? And, and it's, it's pretty volatile. It's pretty small. It's niche. Or do we have opportunities to take this on a bigger scale and grow? So we decided about six months in that we're going to take a different approach and become and focus more on sustainable, sustainable eyewear, the sustainability aspect of things. So then and there, we decided whatever we we're going to produce was going to be fit in that realm. So it made it a little bit challenging. We couldn't just go out and just make metal sunglasses or jump into acetate sunglasses. And we wanted to expand and develop the line. We had to kind of slow walk it and, and find um, materials that had um, that that uh, natural aesthetic and, and fit our ethos as a brand. So that was kind of the, the pivotal point about six months into to take the direction and, and hone in on what we were going to create. So since then we've, we've brought in other collections and we're always looking for, to innovate, to create new stories and create new products that people will have interest in. So that's what's brought into the, the recyclable aluminum line, just because thinner, sleeker metal has been come, become more popular in the last couple of years. So we wanted to make sure we were there and be able to offer a product that suits that, that uh, customer, but doing it in a sustainable way. And then developing the skate line was the same story with that. And then obviously the, the, uh, cotton based acetate was, was, uh, right in line. So yeah, that's kind of the, the timeline. That's really cool. I was actually, that leads right into my next question of, of talking about sustainability and manufacturing. Um, do you guys produce all of your eyewear locally or how, how did you sort of go about developing that process? Obviously you touched on it a little bit, um, just now. Yeah. So as far as our manufacturing process, it's kind of interesting within eyewear, there's really two hubs, um, for eyewear. It's either Italy is a, is a massive hub. And then the other hub is China. And a lot of times within Italy, they're sourcing a lot of their, their bread and butter materials in China and kind of 
tweaking things and adjusting at the end and, and saying it's it's produced in Italy. Um, more recently, you have a little, little bit of manufacturing within the eyewear market in the U.S., but it's not very common and pretty difficult to execute and, and very costly. Um, but within these hubs, there's actually – so within the hub of Italy, there's from the lenses to the hinges to the sourcing of the material, whether it be acetate, is all within like a centralized city. And same with China. So it's, China has specific regions that are known for eyewear manufacturer where you could go from one factory to another and find every component of a, of a sunglass or optical frame in that specific city. So we, um, we focused our efforts within China when we first launched. That was the really the uh, expertise within wood specifically was there. They were making quality product. They had great transparency. And we actually found our factory from our, happened um, oddly enough, from our family's business. So Woodgrain Millwork has a buying office for wood. Sometimes they source wood from all over the world. And they actually had a buying office in China. So we contacted them and had them help us find a reputable um, source to um, to help manufacture. So that's where we started developing product and samples and then I took off and, and went and visited our factory and to make sure everything was in line with that kind of our beliefs and our brand messaging. So we focused on that. And uh, since then, we've developed other relationships, other partners with what, depending on the materials they focus on. And so we, uh, we currently manufacture in, at, from the beginning of manufactured in China. And, and that's been semi hurdle. I think it's uh People have a bad connotation in a lot of times with China, but our big focus and, and really objective is to educate people and show people as transparent as possible who we're working with, what their work environment looks like, why we're working with these specific manufacturers. So we've been really upfront showcasing our website. We have a full link and videos and pictures of every aspect of our manufacturing process just to be upfront and, and to showcase like, hey, it, it is what it is and these people are, are talented and professionals and, and artisans at what they do. And this is why we're working within these specific uh, uh, manufacturing hubs. Definitely. So, it, so you obviously have that, you've really thought through your manufacturing side of your business. And I wanted to also ask you about um, your, the social aspect of proof eyewear and the, what you guys dedicate towards giving back. Like obviously in the beginning you guys worked with an eye clinic in India um, and you've worked with a, a, a number of others, um, organizations. I'd love to, for you to sort of explain, um, the, your process behind making that such a, a priority with proof eyewear. Yeah. And that really came about early on when we sat down and said, Hey, this is the idea. Like it wasn't just like, Hey, let's create a product and like, let's just sell this product. It's, we sat down <clears throat> when we had the conversation, Brooks and I and said, Hey, this is this is an opportunity. Let's let's create a company that's um, meaning meaningful to us. And it was in that same conversation we said, "Hey, it's not all about becoming rich and selling this thing off and becoming millionaires and and walk away." Um, it was more about creating something we were passionate about, something we believed in, something we our roots were tied to. Our name was tied to that. So we uh, all three of us had actually lived in third world countries and. Uh, done service service missions and service trips for our, our church and so we'd seen the opportunities and the, the uh 
the privilege, I guess, that we've we've received just for where we were born and what we've grown up with. And we saw the opposite of that, people living in different circumstances and the different opportunities that they weren't afforded. So we decided that Proof um, was going to have some form of give back um, messaging and, and give back um, give back ethos or, or vision within our, our company. So we uh, decided w- when we first found the company before we even sold a pair of glasses that, hey, let's, we're going to, we didn't know what it was at the time. It wasn't fully established. It wouldn't, we didn't have all the marketing developed for it, but we knew that that we were going to sell glasses and it was going to become an opportunity to, to help um, people around the world. So we started to just, when we sell, sell product, we put everything back in the company. So the first year or so, I don't think any of us took salaries. And then the first three years, I took like a, I was the only full-time employee. I took a $400 salary just to live off of and, and to pay my bills. And my wife and I lived off of that for like the first, I think, two and a half years of the business. Um, so we, and all of it just went back into the company. And some of that we, we take off this um, off the top and put into a, uh, savings fund that we knew we were going to figure out some, something to do with it. And that was about a year and a half in when we figured we had enough. We actually donated $25,000 to um, a nonprofit in, in India, the Airvine Eye Clinic. And we were able to develop our, our, uh, our the two, two different eye clinics and work with, work with them hand in hand to um, help different uh, remote parts of India, India help the blind or the people with vision issues. So that was our first project. And from there, we developed and established a little bit more and focus on um, sustainability or sorry, the four kind of focuses we have for our give back portion is um, reforestation, health and vision, um, community empowerment and education. So anything that kind of falls within those hats and they're very broad, we kind of um, will look for projects each, each time we do a project each year. Um, that focus on those four elements. Man, sounds like you guys really thought this through. <laughs> and it came with time. Like at first, we were just like, "Oh, this is cool, cool product." And we sat down, like, "We need a name." Like we just did the initial like things that you do when you you're trying to start a company. Like, "Oh, we need a website." So we just kind of started to pull things together. And I think a lot of it was just good timing and like and asking a lot of people. But and then we've been in business about six and a half years, so a lot of it's come with time and development and just figuring things out along along the way. So definitely didn't all come together at once. Of course, of course. So along this journey, I assume obviously your 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 father and your family were mentor figures throughout this journey, but I wanted to ask you if there was really anyone in particular that you felt like really helped you guys get to where you are now. Oh, that's a good question. We uh it's kind of interesting cuz really early on my dad they he kind of thought I was just like a distraction a little bit and he gave us a hard time like hey <laughs> this is good but like hey like let's get serious like there there we could use you here at, Wood, at Woodgrain we there's opportunities here like you need to make sure you're taking care of your wife like you should be making a better salary you should be doing these things to like progress your development and and business and so I think he kind of actually looked at it as more of a distraction and, and he uh would kind of talk to me quite a bit and just say hey like we should, like what's new fill us out but uh he kind of put it out there again and again, like, Hey, there's a position here for you. Like there's definitely opportunities. But I think once 
he actually started to see the momentum and like the success we actually had. He was really proud and like that was pretty pretty gratifying to see him come back and be like, hey, that's just like I thought this was just a fun project, with a little bit of a distraction, but you can see you actually thought this through. You guys are um, growing. You guys are figured out your financials. You guys are doing like you're running a, a business that it's not easy to run a business and and you guys are doing it. So he, I think he was a big men- mentor in the fact that. Just in drawing the inspiration and the hard work ethic and the uh, just the life lessons that we've learned from him at the dinner table and talking about his business that was a big big piece for us and I think each other like was a was nice to have when we started the business it wasn't just like two buddies that were in college that both thought it was fun it was nice to have like uh, family members or brothers that we could kind of trust each other and bounce ideas off of each other. So it was like, Hey, what do you think about this idea? Like I'm going to work on this marketing campaign. What do you, you have anything you want to add to it? So it was like, it was nice, especially early on having three or two different people to pick, pick ideas off of and bounce ideas and like help collaborate. It wasn't just like, Hey, I have to figure this out all on my own. So it was, it gave peace of mind and gave, I guess, more confidence in the role. And then, um, from there, I would say those are the biggest pieces. Like internally, just having the family aspect really played uh, into our our uh, benefit a lot, especially in the beginning. Definitely. So early on, you guys um, had the opportunity to go on Shark Tank, and you've got two pretty awesome. You had you had two offers that um, on Shark Tank, and you guys ended up turning turning them down. I wanted to ask you sort of what that experience was like. Um, even just getting on Shark Tank in general and then having the confidence to be able to walk away and then now obviously being successful with Proof Eyewear. Yeah, no, as far as that experience, it was definitely interesting in the, and early on I actually was kind of against it. I'd seen the show and I'd seen people actually get uh, just kind of mocked or made fun of and um, it, I, I really didn't want to go on national TV and just be made made look like an idiot. So. Um, I was kind of against the idea and I was so busy. I was still, I think at the time I was the, I was the only full-time employee. And then we had like a part-time shipping guy that'd come in, um, like half days and help me ship and get product out so I could focus on some of the bigger, um, aspects like sales and marketing. So that time I said, Hey, if you want to go for it, like you can apply, you can go through the efforts. I'm going to focus and stay, stay on track to what we, the bread and butter, what we need to do to pay the bills. So my older brother Brooks, um, that started the kind of concept with proof put in the application and he actually heard back within like a week and said, Hey, we're actually past the timeline or like we're, we've kind of hit our deadline, but we really like your story. We really like what you guys are doing. If you can submit a video and application, we will uh, kind of expedite you guys, get you guys to the front of the line and, and see if it's something that, that uh, we can fit in the, the uh, filming session. So we uh, did that and then we got in kind of the, the, uh, Q, I guess there's a, just a lineup of a crazy amount of companies that they have lined up to see if they're fit for the show or not. And so each, like every other week, we'd actually get on with a assistant uh, producer and, and talk through what was happening with the brand. We talked through like how if we were to go on the show, what we'd be pitching, what we'd be asking for. And each week they'd say, hey, we're cutting companies. We're down to um, 2000 and we're only going to accept about um, like 50, 50 companies to come pitch or something like that. I don't remember the, the numbers exactly, but each week was kind of a little nerve wracking knowing that we could potentially just get cut and, and off of the, the list. And it was a little bit waste of time for the last uh, 
month or so. So towards the end, they actually um, let us know that we're going to all go to and be on the show and, and go film. And so we were really excited about that. We got our pitch together. We actually went down to California and um, pitched one day to the producers. They gave us like feedback on the how we could be more dynamic. They didn't really say like, hey, you got to say this. But they said, hey, this this aspect of your pitch is kind of boring or it's not very intriguing. Like maybe think about changing that. So the day before we were actually going to go pitch to the sharks, like we had to adjust some of our pitch. We, uh, a lot of people kind of just sit around the hotel. We actually rented a car and went and visited retail accounts and knocked doors and tried to like get product in the door before we were there. We were like, Hey, this is an opportunity to, we got a free trip down here. Let's, let's do some work and, and see if we can open some accounts while we're down here rather than just like sit around and, and let our nerves eat us up. So, we uh, got in the car and we'd, we'd be pitching as we were driving from account to account to each other and just like trying to memorize our, our each individual lines. But um, the next day we pitched, it went really well. Um, we kind of the idea, even going on Shark Tank, we talked about, hey, there's other opportunities to get financing. Financing is it's important and, and that's something we needed to grow. But there's angel investors, there's um, bank loans, there's even uh, approaching family to potentially get a loan for, for the growth of the company. So we, we said more than the money itself, this was about finding the, the right partner, finding someone that could add, add value to the company that we didn't have, whether it be insights or networking or, or contacts, et cetera. So we determined early on that Damon and Mark were probably two partners that had the most potential to help the growth of proof. And they actually, neither of them made offers. Kevin and Robert both made offers on the company. Um, and we decided that it wasn't the right fit as far as partners go and, and walked away. We said no to both of their offers and um, haven't looked back. It's been um, great. We, we were excited about the response. Like, the biggest thing I, we were nervous about is like if they didn't like it at all and they kind of just shut it down and said, hey, this is a bad idea. And I think that could have hurt a little bit our brand perception, but they they liked the brand and the, the concept for the most part. And we uh, got a great amount of exposure from that, just probably millions of dollars of advertising that we would have never been able to pay for on our own. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, in, in terms of obviously going on the show just in itself, I'm sure you guys noticed a pretty big spike in um, activity on your site and just overall awareness. Yeah, it was crazy. that So we say from the Shark Tank effect, we probably had about – um, we probably tripled our or quadrupled our size of our business at the time. So that next day, I think what we're asking for, like one hundred and twenty-five or one hundred fifty thousand dollars, we made within a week of after the after the airing of Shark Tank, just on our website. And then wow. long-term accounts have followed up within the months that followed, asking to bring product in. And then every trade show we go, it's still without fail. And it's been three years plus, but um, we'll go to trade show and be like, people will walk by and be like, I've seen you guys somewhere. I think it was on, well, you guys on Shark Tank? And people are <laughs> a little bit baffled where they've seen us, and then they connect the dots. And so yeah, yeah. it's still something that's not as relevant because it's been a while, but it's still something that kind of helps um, brand awareness and it's been a good experience. That's really awesome. So you, you talked about finding that perfect partner to help leverage their connections and stuff like that. Did you ever find someone that really met that uh, bill for you guys? Not really. Since then, we had a create. We had a lot of uh, outside investors approach us, and we same thing. It was it was for them is more about just um, return on investment and just trying to find a good deal. It wasn't really about the partnership. Um, 
We've done a little, we've talked to a few different people who definitely could add value within the company just in their expertise, but um, in the end, it just wasn't the right timing on that. But um, it's not to say it's out of the out of the picture. And we've grown a lot since then. We've got a lot more experience in what works and doesn't. So I think that that guide or that um, mentor aspect that we felt like we were missing before maybe be might be filled right now. Just the fact that we have more insight in what's happening and know who's who within the retail side and what's working on the e-commerce side. So not to say that we're experts by any means and not open to opportunity, but we were pretty satisfied in a lot of ways that we potentially in the beginning just kind of were filling out and just shooting in the dark a little bit. Right. Yeah. A few years of experience will definitely help a lot. (laughs) No, for sure. So what would you say is the hardest part or one of the hardest parts about starting proof eyewear? I would say the perseverance aspect. I, luckily enough, I think we're all perseverant in a lot of ways. We kind of just don't throw, throw the towel in very easily. Um, once we came against issues and we still come against issues, um, we, we figure out ways to figure out solutions and how to improve those. So it's especially early on when we don't know what we're doing and don't have a lot of uh, direction. It's very easy to become frustrated and say, yeah, like that's yeah, this is a reason why we shouldn't let's just go back to what we were doing before. This is not gonna work long term. It's gonna be too difficult. Um, I'd say just being perseverant is the biggest piece and really the hard work ethic. It's not easy to start a business and it's but it's fun. It's it's something that's a challenge. And I think as long as you're willing to accept the challenge and, and know that it's gonna be a challenge, um, it's a it's a ride and it's it's been fun since day one. It's definitely a roller coaster ride. There's lots of highs and lots of lows. Um, it is. It is. What would you say is your greatest fear and how do you manage it in regards to proof eyewear? I'd say for us, on it's really our names tied to the business. It, it's, it's people know when they talk about proof. From the beginning, we talked about heritage and heritage to us is being family owned. Um, being from Idaho, kind of David versus Goliath, especially within eyewear, when it's where it's very monopolistic and it's majority of it's owned by Luxottica, which owns Sunglass Hut, which owns Lenscrafters, which owns Ray-Ban, Oakley, all the big name brands you can think of. I think for us is how do we how do we make our 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 mark and how do we make sure that we're not not just doing things that other people are doing or just following. Um, what's working for other marketing campaigns for other people, but our names tied to this and, and people know when they think of proof that we're family owned, that we're three brothers who started it. So making sure that our, our name is, is represented and, and our, like people know whether it be quality, whether it be service, whether it be, um, authenticity, we talk about authenticity a lot like that. We're tied to that and that it doesn't, doesn't get, uh, diminished or or have a bad rep for itself so i think that's my biggest fear is is making sure that our name is that's tied to this um company that we're proud of is is held in a good light and not just like oh these guys are are jerks or these guys are cutting corners and 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 looking for quick cash out or anything like that so that's really where i um i have a little bit of fear of, of and look for ways to make sure that that's never the case what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made so far with Proof Eyewear? That's a good question. I think uh, some of the bigger mistakes is I would say I'd say like 
obviously there's big life lessons. I'd say like single, just dumb mistakes that we made are working with, uh, we got, we got scammed on a, uh, bank wire. We send bank wires to our manufacturers and over time, someone had actually gotten in between our manufacturer and ourselves and acted, started acting like the, the manufacturer and ended up stealing a decent amount of, uh, of, of change when we transferred money to them thinking it was our manufacturer just the fact that they'd send <clears throat> emails to us for a month and a half like in in passing essentially being the middleman between our manufacturer and us and they receiving emails from our manufacturer and so once it was time to pay for our our goods we ended up wiring to the to them rather than our manufacturer just from all the the bait and switch type uh stuff they were doing that was a pretty big mistake that that was a huge blow early on that was a big chunk of change when especially when we were starting out within the first couple of years but um more I'd, I'd say on a life just as a as a entrepreneur and and as we've gone through things i'd say um probably one of the mistakes we've made in the past is just kind of following what what's working for others and just assuming it's going to work for us, whether it be, Hey, this is a, a, a Facebook ad set that's doing really well and it works for what really well for us. And so just assuming that's going to take place for us and that marketing effort um, works for everyone. So I'd say analyzing what, what works, what our focus is analyzing, what our objectives are, within a certain campaign rather than just trying everything and taking like a broad sweep at things and, and assuming that it's going to click rather. So kind of I've rambled on a little bit about that. Sorry. Um, but, uh, I guess to hone it in is, is just to stay focused, just pick what, what works and pick what your focus is within the marketing specifically and hone in on those and figure out ways to make that the most effective way rather than trying to do like a broad sweep across every platform or every, opportunity that comes towards you and, and, and thinking that that's going to work. So especially being a small team, small group, we have to kind of pick what works and focus on that and execute to the, to the, our best abilities. I can definitely relate to that. Uh, uh, when you start a business, you want to do everything, everything that has potential to work. You're like, all right, we can do this. We'll do that. And this, and then you're halfway through all of them or like 10% through all of them. And you're like, wow, <laughs> I do not have the capacity to do all of these things well. <laughs> no, exactly. And we look at like our competition. Our competition has tens, tens of probably a couple thousand employees. And it's like we have seven employees and we're trying to keep up and do just as much as they are on social or just as many events or this as many, just as many trade shows. It's like it's just not realistic and, and it's going to spread us too thin. So we've it took us time to realize that and we're still trying to figure out how to improve that. So just being more focused and executing on really what our bread and butter are, really what our customers want and just narrowing that. So I'd say that as an entrepreneur, for me specifically, just that's my personality trait is to try to do everything and have my hands in everything, but focus on what works and, and stay true to the, the path. Definitely. So going off of this, what, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business in um, – in the eyewear industry, really in the outdoor industry, really just in general? I'd say the biggest thing, I get a lot of people talking to me like, hey, I have this idea and, and I want to start this business. I want to do this. And I'd say really, really study what makes your product different or what makes not even the product different. Like in the end, we're selling sunglasses, even though they have a unique story to them and unique materials. It's like find what makes 
your business unique and, and figure out if that that specific aspect of that uniqueness is something that people would buy and people would would grow with. So just because it's unique doesn't mean people want it. So figure out if it's something that people or customers, future customers could want or use um, rather than just being like, hey, I've seen some, someone else's project and be like, hey, those guys are successful. I'm going to do the same. It's like there's enough that someone's already doing it well. Someone's already figured it out and, and they have their months or years ahead of you. It doesn't make sense to just jump into that same product and, and expect the same results or success right off the bat. But if you can find what what unique aspect makes it different, what unique approach or what niche you're going to go take that into and grow from there, I think that's the, the biggest opportunity. And I'd say the biggest advice I'd probably give to a future entrepreneur, like someone looking to start their own business. I think that's such great advice. Where, where do you see Proof Iowa going in the next year, five years, and, and even 10 years if you thought about it? No, I think our, our objectives really are to make Proof a household name. We have a lot of opportunity locally. We have a great representation. We have a lot of support. But to grow that outside of Idaho or Boise specifically and make that uh, have a national presence on a bigger scale so we can in return have um, more opportunities to do more projects, do good projects. So right now we've, we're, we're doing probably around – Fifteen thousand to twenty thousand dollars on a on an international project a year. Um, in the next five years, we definitely definitely like to double that, either to one project or split those into two different projects. So, um, be around like twenty five thousand a year in donations or in in, in projects um, specifically. Um, for us, we'd like to continue the growth within offering. Um, employment within Boise. I think Boise is something that was something we're really proud to be from this area. It's it's a great community. So giving our employees opportunity and finding um, opportunities to hire even more people locally to give them profession and and something that they're passionate about and opportunities within that realm. So that's big for us. Um, specifically digging into kind of some of the logistics of that or like the strategy is we really like to grow our e-commerce business so figuring out ways to sell and, and have more customer acquisitions online and find partners to do that with and and so we, with amazon and their strategy and, and how big that they've grown um it's it's something we have to figure out and that anybody that's doing business i feel like this day and age needs to figure out how to improve the e-commerce side and their websites or whether it be partners they're working with online. So that's a big approach for us <clears throat> to grow that side and to get more awareness and, and more presence on that. And then for, for the uh, sell side is, is really how do we service our accounts better and, and become more efficient and more streamlined. So our accounts, our goal is just to be the easiest company that they work with. We might not be the most well-known. We might not be the most established or have the most sales compared to these massive brands that just have unreal um, exposure and, and awareness. But if we're easy to work with and we service them well and product sells well and we, we're growing, like there's no reason why, why people won't want to work with us on a retail side. Definitely, definitely. Sounds like you guys have a, have an awesome road in going in the future. Um, what's your favorite part about running Proof Eyewear? Uh, there's a lot of things. I think probably 
the creativity behind it. I think there's not, I like the fact that no two days are the same. Every day is a challenge. There's different opportunities to kind of um, optimize and then figuring out ways to to do that. So it's there's no roadmap. There's no guidebook for us being a startup and in, in kind of the category we're, we're in. But that kind of makes it fun. That makes it challenging and, and gives us opportunity to get creative and, and look for ways to bring that to um, the masses. And then the other piece it, we talk about a lot is the people we work with, whether it be internally employees, like we have a good group of hardworking, young creatives. That's It's fun to have like-minded people that we're working with. And then on the do good aspect is the opportunities to, to do service and, and help other people's lives and empower others to to um, live their dreams and to help their families and help their communities and, and, and grow. So every time we talk, we talk about our do good projects, um, not only just like giving a donation saying, here you go, but physically going there and offering service and seeing what the needs are and getting to know the people and the culture and the things that make those, those people in that country unique. But that kind of gives us me purpose at least. So every time I go, I'm like, Hey, that's why I, that, 60 hour work week was worth it. And that time away from family, that time away from, um, those other hobbies or interests that I have, it's, it's well worth it seeing the smiling faces or working and seeing this beautiful like country and, and what proof by selling a simple commodity of a pair of sunglasses was able to achieve by helping XYZ's life. Definitely. That, that, that little why right there is, um, it's so important when you're starting a business and it, it, like you said, it, it makes that 60 hour work week worth it when you're up at 1130 at night replying to some emails or, um, whatever it is that you're doing, you remember that the ultimate reason that you're building this business is to create a positive change and leave this world in a better place than you found it. And, um, I think that's exactly what you guys are doing with proof. I where I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what you guys are doing and I'm so excited to have been able to sit down with you and, and hear your your story and how you guys got your start. Um, but for the listener that wants to keep tabs on what you guys are doing going forward, where's the best place for them to do that? Um, yeah, I'd say Instagram is probably where we, we share the most as far as events, anything that we're doing internally, we like to showcase inside the office, our, <clears throat> our staff. And so I'd say our Instagram account is Proof Eyewear. Um, we do a little bit on Facebook. Our website, we try to update as much as possible. We do a lot of fun blog posts at IWantProof.com um, to kind of just make sure it's not all about, hey, sell, 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 sell product, but showcasing some of the projects um, we're working on or the next um, charity do-good projects we have or um, hikes and activities around um specific region so i'd say between the website instagram those are really where we're, we're showcasing all the uh internal workings of proof and so good places to follow along perfect we'll link all that up in the in the show notes outside of uh, proof eyewear what do you what are some of your favorite uh, hobbies and things to do yeah it's it's crazy as far as the last couple of years a lot of those hobbies have changed i used to i still like skiing is probably one of my favorite things i'm a big avid snow skier but um Mountain biking in the last couple of years has been a passion of mine, and it's uh, been a ton of fun to, to experience, especially in, in Boise and Idaho specifically. There's a ton of great trails, and then fishing's my probably my biggest hobby as of now, especially when we're in summer and the weather's good. But uh, fly fishing's been um, something I'm passionate about, love anything outdoors really, and then travel, either traveling and getting 
to be able to see new countries, new places and doing that specifically with my wife and, and, um, kids is, 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 uh, very rewarding. That's kind of what keeps me going and what I, I live for, I guess. I couldn't agree more. And if you're listening to this podcast episode before August 8th, you can head over to readyeddy.com and enter to, uh, win a pair of sunglasses from proof eyewear. And they're also partnered up with a company called, um, flying squirrel outfitters. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can head over to ready Yeti and check that out. And with, with that Tanner, thanks again for taking the time. It really was a blast. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it so much, Josh. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.